0: Recorded on February 21st, 2022, Karen's for fascism. <laughs> Welcome to the Push Ed podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie.
1: I'm Shelby. And I'm Pamela. We have a very special guest, Liz McIteran. I always call you Liz, like the whole name because the Facebook thing. But Liz McIterin, <laughs> who was a Brevard public school teacher forever. I'm not going to tell her whole story, but she's a super smart woman. And she's here with Stop Moms for Liberty. Say hi, Liz. Hey, very nice to be here and to have been invited. Thank you. Thanks for what you're doing.
0: And we're here to talk about countering educational, quote, freedom, unquote. <laughs> yes. But first, we need to address the elephants in the
1: room.
2: The big one, the first one, is you woke up Monday morning to Biden being in
1: Ukraine. Not just in Ukraine. In but Kiev. In, the, in Kiev with no... Or Kiev.
0: Yeah. Anyway. It was a whole thing to get him there. He flew across the Atlantic Ocean in a military transport that didn't get the Air Force One call sign, so they weren't tracking him. It was just back and forth passenger traffic. And then he landed, hopped in a train, and then nice... I don't know what, 10, 15, 20 hour train ride into the war zone, showed up, hung out for a day and jetted off.
1: He does love trains. Yeah. That's not the first time he did that. He did that in Iraq Mm because my husband was working in Iraq when he did that. And one day you're just going to breakfast at the hall and suddenly you're finding (laughs) out, oh, the vice president's here because they Couldn't plan on any of that because it really, I'm sure a Secret Service detail was super happy with all of these plans.
0: The couple of interesting facts about this. Diplomatically, this is the type of thing that Russian would have been told about. Hey, by the way, our president's going to be in the city. Try not to hurt him. It would look bad for you guys. And they did absolutely nothing until after biden was out of the zone and then tried to threaten nukes
1: yeah threatening to put a pause on the talks yeah i had this conversation with somebody that i once tried to support running for congress and he's just convinced that the american war machine is pushing us into world war three and my thought is do you think ignoring this is going to avoid a world conflict it's just gonna for it's just gonna stall it it's
2: like bullies it's if you stand up to a bully 99% of the time, they're going
1: to back down. Absolutely. it's not going to back down because if he does, he's dead because Russia's not really good when people lose wars there. (laughs) But not dealing with this would only be more land grabbing and more land grabbing before we'd be forced to be involved because he would actually attack a NATO ally.
0: We already didn't deal with this in 2014 when... Crimea. Crimea, yeah. And so he's back 30 years ago. There was a treaty where Ukraine, I guess back then it would have been the Ukraine, gave up its nukes in exchange for essentially a treaty of protection from Russia that Putin has now crushed two or three times.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I laugh at your treaty. And now we have Putin back in the national conversation because now we have potential presidential candidates defending Putin. He's got some Russian money coming. Trump
0: immediately defended Putin. And DeSantis has had said that what Biden did wasn't that big of a deal because Putin wasn't that big of a threat. Yeah. He called them a third rate military. Wow. Which, honestly, first time DeSantis has been right in four years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was cool to see. And such beautiful imagery coming from that, watching Amazing picture right? of the president mm-hmm. hugging Zelensky, and it really taps into that dark Brandon. Yeah, the, dark yeah. Brandon.
3: <laughs> i Gotta love dark about. Brandon. I just think it's awesome. It's
1: Shelby's favorite Brandon. Yeah. I,
3: I, as an older person, I must say that I love his activity <laughs> because every time he does something that's just just awesome like that, dark Brandon of him, I'm like,
1: yes, for, dark uh, Brandon. For the memes people. come out. The <laughs> memes. Eighty. Yes. Think, yes. If he can, yes. I think he's. Pretty OK. He can handle his own. Yeah.
0: I mean, he used to be as the number two VP. He was Obama's attack dog. And Kamala Harris isn't really that for him. So he's having to do it himself.
1: Not an attack dog. You're right.
0: No, she is not Mm-mm. the attack dog. I don't think that she views herself as someone with enough political capital to burn. Joe thought he was going to retire after hitting VP. That's a good point. And when you are retired on active duty, you can say whatever he you want. Get away. literally have
1: nothing the- to lose. Yeah. yeah. And I saw that picture of him hugging Zelensky. I think Zelensky is whispering in his ear saying, can I go back to being a TV star? (laughs) The series is on Netflix right now.
0: Yeah, the war in Ukraine has just been such a war of symbols too. It's an old school propaganda war that was kicked off with, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. Mm -hmm. And then there was the ghost of Kiev who was a fictional pilot who had a whole bunch of air kills because they weren't broadcasting who their actual pilots were for OPSEC. It's interesting because... All of these symbols and then Biden showing up, even though he didn't show up ahead of a caravan of 60 tanks or whatever, him showing up still had an impact.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So the train derailment, which a lot of people are tying a lot of recent political events to the situation that caused the train to not be regulated. And so immediately after this happened, for those of you who have been living under a rock (laughs) or ohio in ohio there was a train that was derailed and the situation that led to this a couple of really bad decisions first of all trains with hazardous waste derail two or three times a day all across the country it's a normal thing where for some reason the train its wheel skips and they just elevate the train they they either use a carjack or some ramps and they get it back on and it's a little bit of a delay this was a train that that fell over And it was carrying hazardous waste that wasn't marked as hazardous waste. And a lot of people were pointing at that as a bad thing, which it absolutely was.
1: Now, the complaint that people are making is that they felt like the federal government hasn't responded. And I want to just one thing, which is people are saying FEMA was requested for aid and refused it. That's because there is actually a private company that the company responsible for the train is responsible for the cleanup and for taking care of the people. It's not like a hurricane because you can't go to God and say, God, you have to pay you for these, pay those up. homes. But there is a private company involved and they will be required to do it. Which I'm is the only not sure it. who's dispatching
3: it, but someone is providing almost like clinic, clinic care in their area for any of the residents that may have had an impact. I wish that we would get to the point where people understand that you can't just simply hate a president, right. any of our presidents, right? because they don't run our country. No. None of them do. They're the figurehead. And some figureheads are really embarrassing, like we've seen lately, and others make us proud when they do things like go to the Ukraine. And that's their role.
1: They do. I think that Biden has, because of his lifetime in the Senate, does have a little bit. You're right. But he has a little bit more ability to do the job because he has relationships with people, which when we talk about our next elephant, we're going to talk about those relationships a little bit. But still.
0: Speaking of those relationships, Joe Biden was the head of the EPA or not the head, the head's boss. The EPA has come out and said, essentially, if the company that ran the train fails to complete any of the actions ordered by the EPA, the agency will immediately go ahead and then bill the company three times what it costs them.
1: I like it. I like, I like that, that a lot. Fiscal responsibility. There you go.
0: There we go. So we're
1: going to so, turn we're going to turn your idiocy into a money making thing. Right.
0: Honestly, it's not like we just faced a huge strike where the rail workers were fighting for more safety and better conditions or anything. Yeah. This was all around dumb. It shouldn't have happened. But those chemicals are going to stick around and ruin a lot of lives mm-hmm. in Ohio. Yeah. Wow. And the governor
2: DeWine. Yes. And he's trying to take jabs at Biden and Biden yeah. said, whatever you want, just tell yeah. me and I'm going
0: to yeah. give it to you. You know, this isn't a political battle that needs to be fought. Your people will be dying soon. Wow. Yeah. So it's.
1: Or you can keep fighting a political battle and your people will be dying soon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. now we get to talk about a little bit of
2: dark Brandon. I have to say I loved the State of the Union. Only because when the catcalling started, Biden dished it right back to him. And
1: laughed. And laughed. I loved it when he was like, okay, so we're agreeing that we're not going to do this. He trapped
2: him. He's beautiful.
1: He was awesome. He was definitely a
0: trap. I loved it. It was back when someone heckled Obama. In You lie. Yeah. There was a Republican dude. He shouted, you lie. He was officially sanctioned by the House of Representatives for speaking up like that. And it's to the point now that. Biden not only anticipated that it would happen, but he had comebacks ready.
1: I don't know if he anticipated it would happen. I just think back to the whole point you were bringing up when you are retired and active duty. Yeah. I just think he was like, cool, I'll play. I'll go off script. And His scriptwriters were probably freaking out. What is he going to do? But it was so perfect. <laughs> yeah. But I love when he goes. If anybody listening didn't watch, give a quick
2: recap. I love when he goes dark. Brandon, he was talking about.
1: Medicare and Social, Social Security.
2: Security. And he said, some people in this building. So he said, some, he Republicans, said in the Republicans. some Republicans want to oh, sunset them Social
1: Security and Medicare. And you what he lie. said is word for word truth. Yes. He didn't say they wanted to gut it. He didn't say all. And in fact, he clearly kept saying, not Republicans. I'm sure some in this room mm-hmm. don't feel this way. And the reality is, the Republicans don't have a party platform. They have publicly said the only thing they have is Rick Scott's 11-point plan, one point of which is to get rid of. sunset yep. all federal programs. Yep. I was having this Twitter exchange with this guy, and he said, that's not what he said. I said, he literally said, sunsetting all federal programs. And he said, define sunset. I said, I don't have to. You said that Biden lied. He didn't. And then he said.
0: Yeah, don't shift those goalposts for him.
1: And then he said, he said, but that he, no, Social Security and Medicare are never mentioned. And I said. Are they federal programs?
0: That have to be renewed every? And then five he blocked years.
1: me. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. This is truth. I also like the second comeback that he went and looked, is like, fact check me. Do yeah. it now. Contact my office. Here it yeah. is. Fact check yeah. me now. Yep. Yep. It'll be fun. And he was
3: calling out all of the stuff that we see on a daily basis. Yes. That are just these empty cat calls. Yep. And that's that didn't just happen that day. That happens. Everywhere across this country. And that's the Republican stance. And I'm not either party. So I get to say that.
1: And when Rick Scott the next day tried to call Biden a liar and he, Biden did not lie very carefully, mm-hmm. did not lie. And then they started saying there was a clip out there where Biden is on the floor seeming to say we should cut Social Security and Medicare. So I was like, did they ever say that, that clip came from him in a sarcastic exchange with Ryan saying, sure, let's cut it all. Unfortunately, the person that brought that clip to light was Bernie Sanders, Mm. because he tried to use it against him in the presidential Mm. campaign. Mm. But it didn't work then. It's not working now. And several vocal
2: Republicans who have been on mic saying that they want Social Security to basically die, as well as Medicare and Medicaid, they're all walking it back.
0: Social Security is the last pot of money that the Republicans can't get their hands on, even though they've managed to borrow against it multiple times they still can't get their hands on
1: it people still get their checks
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yep and the older i get the more i feel
2: stronger <laughs> and let's also the next one is speaking of someone who had a tumultuous presidential run who then
1: got to show his true colors actually his presidential run was great. It By was way, great. Jimmy yeah. Carter. Yeah. I'm
0: gonna spoil it for our readers. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy
1: Carter. I voted for Jimmy Carter. That was my first presidential election. That might have been mine too. It was I his re-election think. campaign. It was his first presidential election. Now, here's the little thing. My brother in law built a house with him. Oh. My wow. brother in law ran Habitat for Humanity for Dallas. And he did the 24-hour build in Times Square. Nice. And he said, and my brother-in-law did not vote for Jimmy Carter, but he said, when the president tells you to pick a hammer, you pick up a hammer. (laughs) When people talk about the standards that a president should be held to, he spent his whole life looking for ways to serve others. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. And still has.
0: Yeah. I think The Onion summed it up best when it's like an outstanding career marred by four dark years in the White House. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. Marred by Republican propaganda because that's
0: handed just an absolutely terrible scenario, rampant inflation, the Iran hostage scandal, mm-hmm. the
2: everything, the-,
0: the gas prices. It was a no win situation and I don't think anyone could have pulled that and turned it around.
1: You know, he still lives in the same house in Plains, okay. Georgia with mm-hmm. his wife and yep. doesn't same have wife. <laughs> a security. Same wife. There's that. Doesn't oh, have just... a security detail. They still make dinner at home every night. So I just read the How They Met story.
3: Oh,
2: he was three years old. His mother was a midwife. Delivered his wife. Delivered Rosalind, yeah. Delivered Rosalind, and Jimmy met her when he was three. Oh, my Lord. Oh small, my God. That small That's small town. That's an
3: awesome story. But,
2: yes, he's entering home hospice. But for me, I'm torn because normally when big-time people say that, they are on death's door. But I'm dealing with this whole situation with my 98-year-old grandmother, and she's been on home hospice for six months mm-hmm. and is still
3: kicking. Yeah, it's not necessarily an immediate right. thing. But survive. I will say... Part of where I'm at right now is I want to see what that response is. We have such a negative political culture right now, mostly coming from the one side. And if they do not fold down and give ultimate respect to this man, I think they're going to take the hits for it. Yeah, because there's nothing you can say bad about him. You can say that he wasn't as effective as you might have
2: wanted him to be. But man, what a good human being. Look at when H.W. died. We still honored him mm-hmm. for being a leader of our... But Jimmy
1: Carter deserves so much more.
2: Oh, yeah. No. Jimmy Carter, when you're at 90, just
1: falling off a ladder and you're bruised and going back the next day. Mm-hmm. And he survived melanoma that metastasized to his brain. Yeah. yeah. So this home health hospice care, I think probably is more end of life. And I think that's okay. Yeah, yeah. He's lived a life. He's 98. life well lived. And he's a man of strong faith. I'm quite certain that when he gets to those curly gates he's going to hear well done thou good and faithful servant. Yep.
0: Yeah.
3: That
1: is the true Christian. Yes. to look up to right there. Like
2: it's... the Christian nationalism. Right. No. Jesus was woke. I love that. I've seen that on memes and stuff. <laughs>
1: Peace to you Jimmy Carter. Thank you for We love you Jimmy. Yeah. Exemplifying Gold for being the high who watch you for are. You. So,
0: another elephant. It's a shame that we have to lump Jimmy Carter in with our elephant section because he was such a good man and we have to talk about someone who Absolutely is not. McCarthy is releasing the tapes to Fox News that the House committee on January 6th collected up. And I love this quote from MSNBC. It's certainly possible that McCarthy and his team have done their due diligence, created a series of safeguards and imposed all kinds of relevant restrictions on how the security footage can be reviewed and presented. It's also possible the speaker just gave 41,000 hours of sensitive tapes to a controversial television personality without any real forethought. So while the first part could be true, it's probably the latter.
3: (laughs) History shows.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So Fox News is going to be able to cherry pick where I'm sure that they're going to show empty hallways and peaceful protesters that while people were banging on doors and calling for Mike Pence's head... They're not going to show that. They're probably going to cherry pick. Oh, I don't know. They, oh, look, they're having a campfire. No, they lit someone's (laughs) office on fire. (laughs) No, it's a campfire.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They're not beating that policeman. Oh, they're just
1: helping him out the door.
0: He has a bad back, helping him stretch it out Mm. with their feet Mm. repeatedly to the kidneys. Yeah. So... We're about to see Fox News either bury this under the rug or run with it and then try to smear as many people as they can. The thing about Marjorie Taylor Greene is that if she's not some fringe outside crazy because she is so popular and because she won her election by so much, mm-hmm. she is a very secure seat and she's very outspoken. She, they figure she is a safe political figure. And because she voted for McCarthy, she's in his inner circle. It's, and she
1: has enough of an audience supporting a call for secession that yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And Not so honestly. I hate it, but it's I wanted to ignore Trump, but Trump was our president, right. and so you can't ignore when the president is it's about to drag us line into war. From
1: *Handmaid's Tale*, Gilead, Gilead, which is the fictional mm-hmm. town, country. Gilead wasn't Gilead till it was.
0: We got rid of those elephants.
1: <laughs> Let's introduce our listeners to Liz McGintarin. And Shelby, I didn't realize you didn't know Liz when you invited her on the program. Liz and I have crossed paths many times yep, for at, years at school board meetings and various other- stuff. You
2: randomly friended me and I kept her
1: and then I saw what she was doing. I'm like, so Liz, no talk just a little bit about how your organization got started. It's called Stop Moms for Liberty. It is. We're an entity. We're not a
3: 501c3 or anything like that. We're not planning on You're
1: doing group. that path.
3: We are just a group. A gathering of sorts. My background was I was in elementary school teaching for almost 30 years here in Brevard, in Michigan, in Kentucky. So I have been obviously a proponent for public schools all of my life. I was participating in a public charter school. I don't want anybody calling me out on that because... But we've had a know.
1: conversation here about charter schools. Yep, Some serve That's a, a great need.
3: Thing. And it was a great it's need. Right. We did not survive as a charter school. I actually was not affiliated with them when they went out of business, but I have a little bit of input into that charter school world from that experience.
1: And it's important to know the difference because... Mm-hmm. Some of our charter schools are great partners for our our communities. And unfortunately, they're being lumped with those for-profit charter schools or the ones that are supported by the Heritage Foundation that are not serving their communities. Okay, go on.
3: Going back probably 20 some odd years ago, almost, oh gosh, almost 30 years ago, I lived in Michigan. And the most vocal person in Michigan at the time was Betsy DeVos. And Betsy DeVos literally did steps that pretty much destroyed the Detroit public school system. Yes, And I thought, oh my gosh, that's terrible. I was a classroom teacher, real busy in life. And I thought, I'm glad that that didn't happen to my school, that kind of thing. And so I was well aware of her. And then things died down for a little bit. Education was not on the radar for many people. We just went along and did our thing as public ed people. So then our former president Elected her or appointed her to be the secretary of education. And of course, my radar went up and I thought, this might not be a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. And I heard her speak over and I just knew that her goal was privatization. And so I've been trying to be vocal with groups and on the Internet about she's really a dangerous kind of person. Watch what she's doing. I think that she has decided that and I don't know if she officially heads anything up, but it's she and her cronies, billionaires, discovered there is a very good opportunity for profit making in education of children. Then I started digging into the standardized testing whole issue And all of it was fitting together. Because of that push and the craze that was surrounding, I started digging in to find out what was actually happening in education in the United States. I could have very well been in the corner teaching my little reading group and gone my merry way and retired. But something in me just had that drive to find out what was going on. So what I found out was this privatization movement. That was well funded by big organizations like Alec, the legislative group, mm-hmm. like the Koch brothers. There's only one now,
1: but I thought he probably hmm. refers to himself as
3: we. And the Heritage Foundation is huge. They're a little bit newer piece. The Koch brothers were one of the initial. Right. I'll call them investment partners into the destruction of. And I know
2: schools. Richard Corcoran was with one of these crazy. Correct. Groups. Correct. Okay, so. so then through the
3: years, I did my research. I did my background, blah, blah, blah. And I started sharing the messages. And people would listen, but they didn't really see anything happening. And I think those in power also saw that there wasn't really anything happening on a big enough scale. So when so was, was this conversation think? happening? That would have been 2019, 2020. Yeah. They, I'll call them this consortium of moneymakers. makers. Decided that we're not making the money that we were promised in these activities. And what they then did was look for strategy. And it was done through the Republican Party. And the strategy was, we need to make our parents in this country afraid. Yep. And that is what they have done. They have made public schools into the enemy. Yep. They have turned a good chunk, I won't say a majority because they're not the majority, but a good chunk of parents into these radical people that go and shout names and shut down board meetings and what have you. And it's all because they are the foot soldiers of this big mega group, mega and mega probably, this big mega group that are using them. For their own purposes.
0: Oh, yes. Steve Bannon, two years ago, what, eight months before Moms for Liberty burst on the scene, said that there's going to be an army of parents. Yes.
3: Yes. So So this was all like a scripted plan. And of course, Moms for Liberty has been the guest star on his. I don't know if he even has his show anymore, isn't he in prison? No, Bannon still has it. So all of this has been rolling and it's gotten to a fever pitch and it's basically because they started getting these parents afraid and they really hit it hard during the pandemic. And it's interesting because parents, if you'll recall, at the very start of the pandemic and this online schooling and teachers were the heroes. They said, oh, my gosh, this is incredible what you have to do every day with these children. And then because they heard this national rhetoric that Oh, you better look and see what's going on. You better find out what's going on. They're indoctrinating your children. They're grooming your children. And parents got so afraid that they flipped the narrative and they went from appreciation after a pandemic, and I won't say it's over, but appreciation during the height of the pandemic, and oh my gosh, I wouldn't be a teacher if you paid me, blah, blah, blah. We heard all of that, right? How do those same people now turn and become the greatest enemies to public school? Well, and it's all
2: because of man- manipulation.
0: The, yeah, they've been manipulated. There's always been, I think, this anti teacher narrative.
2: It's all even when I was a teacher back from 20, 2006 to 2010, it was not what is my child doing, it's what the teacher's doing. And I will say, still to this day, I'd rather have an over involved
1: parent than an under involved parent any day. Yeah, you know what? It's also. This group makes it very possible to be lazy parents. Yes. Because we're going to parents, which is so funny because their t-shirts say we don't co-parent with the government, but they're really telling parents, but you can co-parent with me. And they're, by the way, running for government offices. I watched the group found here and I was the campaign manager for the school board member that defeated the person who then turned her loss into this founding because it's, your group is focused on Moms for Liberty. Right. I love the history lesson. What made you aware of this when Mm -hmm. it was first starting? But it was Tina's not that smart. And I don't think any one of the three founders are that smart. When I'm sitting back. I had
3: because I was working so strongly on elections. You remember Andy Ziegler? Yeah. When he was on the board. I came out very vocal against him. I went after him and I thought I really shouldn't be a teacher that works under him and be this vocal. So I went out on leaves of. And this is
1: when and schools and school boards were not a big focus of no, attention. No, I not. wasn't working with the party at all.
3: I started getting vocal and I actually had my son during that process. And I decided I can't teach on an everyday basis and be a rebel, I'll call it, or an advocate. I'd better have that term. If you're a teacher listening to us, you can. So I was not in the classroom and I was able to keep watching what was going on. I was no longer an employee of a school district. So that gives you a whole lot of freedom to say and do things that eh, those in the trenches probably don't feel the freedom to do. So in watching all of this rolling, 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 I, of course, worked against Tina in the last election. And I honestly thought and I apologize to our national members almost daily that I didn't do more then when Tina lost that election. It seemed to me that this movement that was being started, this Moms for Liberty, was out of her being angry, her sense of revenge,
1: and it mm-hmm. did start that way. Without it did. she was used. They fed that with her. They took her and they said, "Oh, you poor thing, you, this is a place for you," because she's not smart enough to any of this.
0: Wow, I feel like that there's a recurring theme through <laughs> Taylor Green, Bill Bo yeah. <laughs>
1: Tina. She, I think yeah. she, I think it was she was. Because every conversation I've had with Republicans at that time were telling her to back off her super conservative stance. And she was doubling down on it, thinking that it was the right thing. and It was going to get her elected. And this is what cost her the election by 10 points. And I think she was so embarrassed that I think. Yeah, I think somebody found it her, part of it. found her and finished grooming. Well, up, and that's what it was.
3: It was Tina. It was Tiffany, who has a very, I'll say, less than stellar reputation, who was also an mm-hmm. ex-school board member. And then they combined so with Bridget Ziegler, who is over in Sarasota County. And Bridget Siegler's husband at the time, I don't know if it's current, ran the Republican Party in the state of Florida. He does now. I think he does. And he did Republican that Republican And he did that as well. And then
1: you have and that. He's
3: actually been quoted saying, oh, thank you. We've been trying to pull in parents right. and young mothers into this Republican Party. And you're doing that for us, Moms for Liberty. So once you had that party attachment to what they were doing, even if they started small, I doubt that Bridget Ziegler ever intended to be small. I think this was all part of her discussions with her husband and the party had this plan. We need to get these followers. And so then, of course, you saw what has unfolded. Their trajectory was unbelievable. The amount of chapters that opened, the amount of funding that was provided, although they say that all of their funding to this day, they say it. Only comes from the sales of T-shirts, which we all know to be
1: because they filed the 501c4, so they don't report.
3: Correct, intentional that they did not do the 501c3. They did the 501. I apologize daily, like I said, that I did not do more. How do you think I feel? I was the campaign
1: manager for Jennifer. If Tina had, I will say this: if Tina had won, I do believe Mom's Celebrity would not have been her. Because she would have been she would have been in a place that it would have been a different tool. Yeah, I don't think that the whole movement. They were also I think they were
2: also feeding off of all of the discontent from Trump. They got big because they started advocating no masks like Trump. And they had a willing audience that they now local people can do something. They were ripe for I'll call it a takeover.
3: Yeah. So they have gone to the streets and those that want to push a certain white nationalist agenda in the United States have gone to the streets and they've gotten, in some cases, very well-meaning parents that just think that their activity is for the benefit of their own child. But what they're not understanding is that's not what's happening. Exactly. What's happening is a very well-scripted out effort to privatize our public school system. Yep. Some say it out loud. Some say it through their actions. The local people may or may not understand that. I find across the country, because we do have chapters now in our, I'll call it a resistance, that those people are informed. Yes. And when they're now jumping on the bandwagon of Moms for Liberty in a lot of other places, they know exactly what they're doing now. So I just I tend
1: think to think, started, yes, yeah, but think. it started. Yes. Yeah. I think it started
3: with just very well-meaning parents. I won't say the leadership was that. that. People are not caring enough about those kids that need it the most. It impacts all of us. It's going to impact all of us. And what the system will do is Florida kids won't be going anywhere. No. And that is major. That is major. Now, are there good programs for kids to stay in the state of Florida? Sure. My kid hates the heat. So he wanted to look elsewhere.
1: There certainly aren't enough.
3: No, there aren't enough. And. Who's going to rush in and fill
2: that void?
1: Especially because he's also attacking our universities as right. well. So that was yeah, to new
2: college local staff. That was my question too, because I have an autistic son. So that was my question to their people yeah, today. I was like, talk. "What about his sayings about diversity and inclusion in college?" And then you look at the people that offer these classes; they're all community colleges. There's FAU, UCF, and USF. Everything else is state.
0: So something that we really try to communicate is how people who we started this podcast because we were angry and upset and we felt that, you know, it wasn't an election year. There weren't anyone that we could donate to. There weren't any doors that we could knock. But we were looking for something. There are
1: always doors you can knock.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so we were looking for something to do and how we could help out. So, Me,
1: Shelby and Jamie. I was very busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pam
0: was very busy. So what can people who are listening to this, who are upset at the current state of affairs, do for you? How can you help them do something for the community?
3: Well, obviously, they can become part of this national movement that has grown. They can come to us for information, for resources. We have, I don't even know how many posts we have a day. Lots of articles from all over the country with what's actually happening. Locally, there are chapters in the state of Florida across many of our counties, and there's some listing on our main Facebook group page. And in other states, there are groups or I call them subgroups as well. And the first thing, obviously, is to become educated with what is going on. And so that was one of my purpose. I guess I'm a lifelong educator We need to let people know what's actually going on. And it is not just some PO'd moms that come to the microphone and they're complaining about some kind of a graphic novel. That is not what's actually going on. Right. And I'm here to tell you, they may have valid concerns. And I believe that all parents should be involved and should come forward and make their complaints or their requests of a school district. I'm just struggling with this process. You do not undermine a school district in order to make it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That has never worked. And that's all that we're seeing when they're going in. Some, if you've watched some of these school board members across the country, or school board meetings, I should say, ours is mild in comparison. There are some really atrocious things that have ours happened across the country. are probably
1: mild country. because we have Jennifer Jenkins and they just, she'll fight back. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm not really sure. People can get involved by finding your Facebook group. Yes, please. And it's called Stop Moms stop for Liberty. Stop Moms for Liberty. And the logo is a stop sign. It is. Yep. So easy
3: to recognize. We do have all of those subgroups that they can join. Mm-hmm. We have national How do they members. find this? On the national page in our files, there's a whole listing with the links. So is it's there, all Facebook is website. Is there a
0: website? Or-
3: so we have a link tree. And on the link tree, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, and we have a website. And then also on that link tree is that like, how do I learn about this? The first step. okay, watch this first. So we've got a couple of things on that link tree so that people can start their educational process there. And we're not extremely active on Instagram only because I'm trying to keep all the balls in the air. And really, the focus has to be where the bulk of our people are, which is on Facebook. I know young people are not there, but we're working on it. I am about to put a teenager on our administrative level team. So that's exciting. She just spoke. I don't remember where she was. My memory escapes me, but she spoke eloquently at a school board meeting. It was just remarkable. What's happening is that people are getting engaged in their local levels. Okay, I'm not in charge of that. Sure. I'm a communication tool. I'm a cross-referencing tool. And I'm a collaboration maker, I guess we would say with this national umbrella within those groups, they're having those face-to-face meetings now and they're getting together and they are taking action and they're developing plans. If I have people step up and say, hey, can you take this? I've been trying to get somebody to take over the Instagram. I would love to reach out and do you know, multiple platforms. I've been talking to people about Reddit and that's all well and good, but all of these ideas take people. Right. And I, right now, Am balancing the national, stepping in periodically at state level groups. I certainly advise them. I just told somebody today they were concerned about whatever the issue was. And I gave them these are some steps that we know from history would work in activism. And so then they take that and then they'll do whatever they're doing at their state level. So we truly are just an informational outlet and an educational inspirational and just a driving force to, hey, let's stay connected. We found if people are in neighborhood or next door to one another and they have separate school districts, go to each other's school district meetings. It's a simple thing. You don't even have to talk. Just show up. Clap for a speaker that you agree with that's speaking out against some of these Moms for Liberty type activities that are going on. So it's a tough one because this whole push nationally for this whole Christian white nationalism push, that is huge and that is very well funded and is definitely a part of Moms
0: for Liberty.
2: And
1: it should terrify everybody.
0: Yeah. So to our listeners, it sounds like you have a couple of positions open, always looking for oh, volunteers. absolutely.
2: <laughs> so you can it, sign me up for a couple.
0: It's OK to care about education. And if education's your thing, this is a volunteer group for you. And here's
3: some of the narrative that we're trying to push on a national level, and it's So scary. Moms for Liberty is infiltrating libraries. Yep. Our own Brevard County just elected or put in or I don't know, I guess it was a appointment
2: appointment. Appointment. Thank
3: you. I was lost for that word. It was an appointment of one of the leaders of Moms for Liberty on our county library, library book, library book board. And that's pretty scary. That is very scary. Should there be representation? Maybe. But not from somebody that flaunts a t shirt running around and has gone before school district and down to school district. That's not the kind of re- representation that we should have on something that is supposed to be more neutral. And here's another one. We have not seen this yet in our area, but one of their next targets are going to be hospital boards.
1: Liz, thank you for all that you do daily and for just your presence. I mean, every time I see you, it makes me feel more content knowing that somebody of your. <laughs> acumen and your confidence and your strength and your connections is fighting for public schools talking a little bit about because what you're doing is actually national though it's birthed locally i'm the voice for local politics here and we've had a lot of drama in the democrats and i know that you're a non-party affiliation and i think that's great i have total respect for that i as we talked about often i don't even dislike republican voters there's not a single republican there may be two Republican elected <laughs> officials in our county that I actually do have respect for. There are a few, but most I don't. So we've had some fun drama here with the Democrats though. So getting off of school board for a moment, which is crazy because that's all, there's where all the drama always is. Although today's drama with the school board was super drama and there's going to be more coming, I'm sure. Yes, um, absolutely. I will talk about we're talking about school board. We will have two elections next fall for school board seats, District 3 and District 4. Jennifer has never intended to run a second for a second term. From the day she was running her first term, she never intended to run for a second term. But here's the fun thing. So we always knew Matt Susan was going to run for state house. Everybody knows Matt Susan is going to run for state house. Everybody's been waiting for Matt to make his announcement. Yesterday, the Republican powers that be, the string pullers, talked Dave Weldon into running for that seat. Dave Weldon, for those of you who don't know, was a congressman here for a long time. Just like a lazy guy, very much like a Thad Altman, although he did a lot of damage to our gay community. But he uh, is running for State House 32, which tells me the Republicans don't want, they don't trust Matt Susan with that seat because you know, they definitely get permission and they get all their boxes checked. So Matt is now making a lot of noise about running for school board again. That's actually really good news. Thank you, Pam. Yeah, it's good news that he won't refer to I'll State be House. posting when I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I just like saying, obviously, the Republicans don't like Matt. Because he hates hearing that. And he has been relying on that. I'm wondering who Matt pissed off. It's just stupid. Nobody thinks he's running the school board well. There's not one person. He is a liar, McClayer pants, and his lies are so obvious. and Nobody can think supporting his candidacy would be a good idea politically because we will disclose every single lie, which would take us a long time. Anyway, so... Dave Weldon's going to run for State House 32. We still don't have a candidate for that seat. It's a, We're vastly outregistered. If somebody wants to run, I'll support them. But I'm aggressively recruiting for school board because we do have to protect our schools. Right. When you have a school board member up there who literally today said, if you don't like our conservative school board, you probably need to leave. It's this consistent, loud voice telling Democrats to leave their state. And I've lived here longer. I've been a Floridian longer than Ron DeSantis has been alive. Sorry. You don't get to fascist my Florida. Right. And I'm not going anywhere.
3: I will say that it's not even about being a conservative school board.
1: It's about being.
3: It is a group of three. Yeah. That is a strong majority. And we're going to see it unfold over and over again. That it's going to be their way or the highway. And it's about
1: extremism. Right. It's it's not just. Conservatism. Matt's stupid. But that. Gene Trent is terrifying because he's just awful. The school oh, board's yeah. also talking about redistricting to match county commissions, which I'm just throwing this out there. Would put my favorite school board member running against Matt Susan since he now can't run for state 32. He'll have to run for school board again and district four if they match it up with county commissions. I don't know. It happened to put Satellite Beach in his district. Then we also have, and that's for 2024. We also have three county commission seats in 24. County commission district one, we have a phenomenal guy. We'll have to have him on. You'll love him. A good guy running, in, great guy running in district five as well. Vinny Toronto, who is very well known in this county for all the things that he's done for the community. And at district three, I've got somebody in the work that I think you're going to love. Mm. But the fun thing, the drama was Palm Bay. So... History. Pombe, Jeff Bailey, who was a part of the whole racketeering thing involving Davis Nardi, and if you don't know, Google it. Davis Nardi, Pombe. Jeff Bailey resigned from City Council a year ago and took a job out of state because he said it's just so mean, and he was about to be arrested, so he left. And the s- charter for the City of Pombe at the time said the City Council could appoint a replacement in the place of a vacancy. And there was only six months left before the election. So they could appoint a replacement or hold a special election. And they said, we're going to appoint a replacement. Now, there are three Democrats on the city council. There's a city council of five. Jeff Bailey left, city council of four, three Democrats. We're going to appoint a replacement. The Christian Nationalist down there blew a freaking gasket. You're taking away our voice. And it was all supported by Randy Fine because he knows incumbency matters.
3: Randy Fine, who funds... Moms for Liberty,
1: you mean? Yes, that Randy Fine. Oh, okay. That's one of the many things that he does. He's a constant topic of conversation, although he's so insignificant as a human. Like, I don't freaking bet anyway. But he got them to do this. So the city of Palm Bay spent a quarter of a million dollars holding a special election where. Peter Filiberto was elected. He was a Space Coast Young Republican. His father's a former mayor involved with insurance fraud, actually served federal prison time for tax evasion. And this was his father, who was the former mayor of Bombay. So Peter ran and got elected. I went to his swearing in because then he got reelected six months later. And he gave a pretty decent speech. But he, Peter, this, this was November that he was elected. And just a week ago, he was on his motorcycle on the side of the road and his own police department saw this guy and then realized who he was. They had to arrest him anyway, because he was driving erratically. And when they pulled him over for driving erratically on his motorcycle, they smelled alcohol on his breath. So they asked him to do a breathalyzer, which he refused. So then they had to run his records. This was his third DUI, two convictions, one on a boat and this one would be his third. So he was driving on a suspended license he was operating a motorcycle without a motorcycle endorsement. He was evading police because he tried to get away and a de- suspected DUI. And well, then they mentioned
3: the cocaine.
1: While processing him at the jail, <laughs> they had him take off his shoes where they found 10.6 grams of cocaine and crack cocaine in his shoes. Yeah.
0: A real upstanding Republican. Yes,
1: a real upstanding. And he ran on conservative values.
0: Conservative yeah. values, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Wow. He
1: had to get a DUI on
2: three different types of
1: vehicles. Yeah, he's done all it, car, boat, and motorcycle. It, it, it,
0: I believe that's called a hat trick.
1: He um, he wasn't going to resign. Again, Randy Fine yeah. did not want him to resign. The city council called for his letter of resignation. They actually wrote a letter to the governor because all the city council can do is ask the governor to re- remove him mm-hmm. for being arrested in charge of the felony. And then it became this huge issue at the city council meeting that Medina wanted them all to voluntarily drug test. And I'm like, you guys are missing the point. You're not asking to be removed because he was under the influence of drugs. Nobody said he was under the influence of drugs. He wasn't arrested for having cocaine in his person. He was arrested for having cocaine on his person. He was charged with a felony. Therefore, he needs to be removed. That's what the statute says. So he did finally resign. Randy Fine said on his, because Randy finally yes, said he his should advice, resign. Yes, right. Whatever. It's all on you, Randy. And the city of Palm Bay in November, the same time that they elected Filiberto, changed their city charter to now the language says the city council will appoint and fill any vacancy that comes up. Hmm. So they will be appointing a replacement to fill, not to fill his term, because his term goes to 2024, 2026. But it would, they'll appoint his replacement. He'll then go up for election in 2024. And here and then they'll have their seat through 2026. So it'll be this term and there'll be a two year term and then they're regular. So it's very exciting. The three there are three Democrats on the city council. They are good, upstanding men, good men. I've talked to each one of them individually about their decisions and they feel good about those decisions. And, and be- I know because, they're
0: gonna... because those decisions didn't involve stuffing crack cocaine in your right. shoe and getting drunk on a motorcycle. I'm
1: just going to say hat trick. I'm going to use there that. are 43 <laughs> Democrats currently serving an elected office in Brevard County. And my friend, I have a friend who is an editor of the Space Coast Rocket, and he's a Republican, and the Republicans are always harassing him. Why don't you write articles about the Democrats? And he said, tell me something they they do wrong. Elected Democrats, not one of them have even been suspected of illegal activity in their terms of office. Not one. And if one was even suspected, We clean house. We don't have to clean house because we elect good people. Yes. People always ask me, what are your plans? I'm like, my plans are the same thing they've always been, to find out what the voters want, find people that will meet those needs, and get them elected. So 43 Democrats serving in elected office, not one has been, and since I've been involved in Democratic politics six years, we've had a racketeering scandal. I still think that's crazy. Trying to solicit prostitution. Randy Fines involved in that. Soliciting drugs for city councilmen. We've had a city, a state representative threatening a city's flood mitigation spending. That's going to be fine. Again, we've had... Wait a minute. I'm seeing a pattern. Yeah. We've had the FDLE investigate our sheriff's department at least three times for officer shootings. We've had just, we had a candidate running in Cape Canaveral with a potential sex scandal in there. He didn't win. And we have a current city school board member who's under investigation by his own school board for lying on his application and for falsifying test results. Not one scandal involved with the Democrats. It's not because we're not the majority party. I promise you, if anybody burped out loud and it was beyond noise ordinance, they would come after them. It's just not happening. I'm so proud to be a Democrat these days. Always proud to be a Democrat. But I'm very proud to be a Democrat in Brevard County where the elected officials serve their communities well. And reflect well on our party.
0: I feel like I'm a political junkie against my will. I just want politics (laughs) to be boring again. Yeah. It's like, I I feel like that. School board meetings uh,
1: boring again. Yes. Yeah.
0: I want the adults to be in office. So that way I don't have to feel like I'm the adult making sure that they stop Behaving like children. Well,
1: guess what? You pick the right party at the end of the day if that's what you want. Yeah. My goal is to continue to do that. We're going to have a lot of, we have seven seats up this fall and we'll have every seat up next year. Right now, you're always asking how people can get involved. Right now, what we are doing is we are building precinct armies. So if you are a registered Democrat or a Democrat leaning and you would like to be contacting the Democrats in your precinct, we're currently contacting the Democrats who voted in 2022 and thanking them for voting. And then offering them the service of getting their mail ballots back in their hand because the Republicans took them all away because 50% of Democrats vote by mail. We will then be talking to Democrats who didn't vote and then talking to new Democrats. But for the next several weeks, we're going to be just talking to Democrats in your precinct who voted. I would love to teach you how to do that. It's one of the most effective. It is the most effective thing you can do. And it's really... We know Democratic turnout was low in 2022. We know every voter turnout was low in 2022. And statewide, Democratic turnout was about 48%. Brevard County was 53%, I think, 55%. We had one precinct with an 80% turnout. One tiny precinct, it's Melbourne Village, is one precinct. We have a supermajority on that town council where we don't have a majority of voters Mm. because the Democrat in that community does relationship-building year-round rather than just election season. So get involved with us now. That's how we're going to build an army to stem the tide of fascism for 2024. And you can find me at hello at BrevardDems.org. And you can find the pod at...
0: Pushaheadpod at gmail.com.
1: By the way, I hear from people all the time that they're listening to this. So if you're one of these people that have told me in the last two weeks that you listen... Email Jamie. He gets very nervous.
0: I, I know for certain our email address works.
1: <laughs> yes, because we've got an email. Yeah, yeah. If you like what we're doing, tell a friend or two or 10. And if you don't like what you're doing, what we're doing, tell us. Mm-hmm. And Liz, thank you.
0: If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com.
1: The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco.